Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to this episode number 45 of the NZ Tech Podcast. One week to go to Christmas. Uh, oh, awesome, it, it one, is. Yeah. One, and a, one and two thirds. Yes, almost. Yeah. Welcome aboard, listeners. You're uh, listening to Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows. And Skip Parker. Who's in a grumpy mood tonight, Paul? We've got to watch out. I don't know. Yeah, he, no, he is. I've been dealing with him most of the day. He's grumpy. Yeah. He's very grumpy. I've had enough. Oh, sorry, Let, sorry to hear that. Lack of sleep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have some fun. Get rid of the grumps and talk tech gadgets, mobiles, fast internet, all sorts of cool stuff. Righty-ho. First up, very local news. We have a new IT or ICT Minister looking after uh, or in charge of technology yes. for the country. Yes, Amy Adams. She's coming. Um, she's going to be taking over from his name, Stephen Joyce. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what she, what plans and initiatives she's got for the country for the next three years. I mean, obviously we had the broadband stuffed here, la- um, a gentleman here a few weeks ago, and it's great to hear from you off here that that's all sort of locked down, and they're not going to be able to fiddle with that. But what other sort of things? I mean, what do we want to see out of them? guys that's actually a really good question not something i've given a whole lot of thought to i think uh the ultra fast broadband initiative is a real key one that that keeps going and that certainly that doesn't uh doesn't slow down i think that's important for the economy and uh important for for us as tech users getting access uh to all of that uh, in, in terms of other things, I think it's important that the, the government sees the benefits of leveraging and making use of technology across government departments, supporting businesses that are innovating in this space and potentially going to uh, export New Zealand technology and New Zealand ideas. I want to see them investing some more too. I mean, we're, I mean, look, I understand that the world is not in the best place at the moment and we are looking to, to save money, but we've also got to invest some money to make a little money. And I, I think one of the the areas that tends to go in any organisation, the first thing, well, there's two things. First thing that goes is the training budget. The second thing that goes is the IT department always gets hit. And then before it hits any other departments, I'd actually like to see them either retain or invest a little bit smarter money in IT in New Zealand to try and do some um, clever things with you know within the government organisations. Yeah, I agree. If, I mean, if money is spent strategically around how to you know leverage technology effectively, then then that's good. Or how to uh, use technology to generate more export income. Again, that sort of stuff is good. I mean, there are major inefficiencies, you know, across small businesses. Well, businesses of all sizes in New Zealand, I think, and, and also uh, the government, where technology isn't being used as effectively as it could be, and organisations that are on really old and dated technology that's insecure, inefficient, and so on. Does it scare you that she doesn't have... Sorry, let me rephrase the question. When you're going into a job, you want to hire someone that's got sort of good expertise in that area. Agreed, if you're hiring an IT person, you want to have IT skills, a chef to have a chef. She doesn't have a lot of IT skills, yet she's going to be driving the future technology of the of the trade that we're in. Does it concern you that she doesn't have those skills? Well, if, if, she's, if she has some good, uh, I guess, broad knowledge and she can think through the possibilities and have good advisors then there's a potential for some good outcomes but i guess i'm you know i'm i'm trying to look at it from it from a positive direction i mean the the people that do 
best in running organisations are not nec- and not always people that have been promoted up in that organisation and uh, often come from very different organisations but they know how to achieve great outcomes and some of the best leaders don't necessarily have all of the uh, the in-depth expertise in a field to um, to do that. So, no, uh, good, yeah, good no, I'm, I'm, I think you, you've got to give her a chance. Oh, yeah, totally. And I, and I think that, you know, that would be my perspective to say, hey, you know, she's been given the job. Let's see how she goes. Let's not beat her up just yet. Because, uh, oh, no, was well, definitely not doing that. I think, yeah. look, I think there's a good platform laid for her to move forward. I mean, I think the the, 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 the Crown Fibre guys, you know, talked about it again. That they've got this amazing launching pad for the next 10 years for New Zealand, right? But let's make sure that we build on the, the foundations that are there and really start to do some smart things in government. And that, I think there's some good stuff, but we've got to make sure we move forward. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've, I've heard some of that in terms of the potential of, of what the government can do. Uh, I don't think we've we've really seen all the, the action on that stuff yet. So, yeah. so, so but, Mr. Spain, I have another question for you. Fire away. So you're in a questioning yeah, mood. Yeah, I am in a very, very, very uh, questioning mood tonight. So you, you've been becoming a bit of a, a Top Gear car enthusiast over the last few weeks, haven't you? <laughs> I got a lot of pe- feedback that I know that's like, man, you guys are doing these car reviews. You know, what are you guys like trying to be presenters of Top Gear or something? Well, it was funny because when I look back to our very early episodes, I remember somebody uh, tweeting or saying, hey, you guys are the, uh, the Top Gear of tech. In New Zealand, and I thought that was a real compliment that they were they were sort of saying that. And I thought skips that, James May, you know that, that right? Was oh, <laughs> that's it. This is I'm, I'm tall and I'm tall and lanky, so I'll be uh, what's his name, the one that's always getting his mouth and getting himself in trouble. Clarkson. I'll be Clarkson because I'm always getting myself in trouble with my mouth. You're always pulling me back into line. You could be the good looking one. What Stig? No, the other little midget dude. <laughs> Oh, All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you guys, you've been playing around with a lot of the cars in the last couple of weeks, haven't you? Yeah, and and I think that's sort of a reflection of what the NZ Tech Podcast should be. It, it's a forum, really, where we look at everything to do with technology and electronics that that is relevant to uh, New Zealanders in general. And there's technology all over the place. You know, I talked also last week about you know some of the tech that we saw in in, in a small plane that I went up in cars. I think everyone's using a car every day in most cases, unless they're um, they're more caring for the environment than, than the large majority of our population and they're jumping on a bus or a train that's very much a smaller uh, percentage uh, so that's something that's really relevant I think to a general audience and safety certainly a factor here in New Zealand we've still got a pretty a pretty high road toll so some of that technology that improves safety makes it a better experience I think it's definitely uh, relevant for us to be chit-chatting about. You jammed three of us in the car after the show last week and was showing off the self-parking and scaring us with some of the technology in there. It's pretty. It's, it's the weirdest feeling watching you take the hands off the wheel and this damn thing reverse it and then park itself. It is incredible. And what did you think of the park, Brad? It's stunning. I, honestly, I, I, I have my, my wife's friend's what, listen to the show now, so i got to be very careful what I say, but wow, there are a lot of Wow, <laughs> you've seen some people whose parking skills aren't, oh, yes. aren't quite up there with the um, with the Ford Focus Titanium. Oh, that that was brilliant, wasn't it? It's it, an amazing, yeah, it's a cool piece. little car, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And so, what what are some of the things you skip? You had it for a little while this week as well, didn't you? Yeah, I gave it a good bash one night. Um, I think I returned it okay and all, all intact, didn't I? 
Yeah, I had to clean out the McDonald's wrappers. Oh. And the, yeah, no, but uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. There, um, there, there are no obvious scratches that I noticed, but um, oh, yeah. good. As long as you don't notice them, the um, we we gave it a real good bash. Me and my brother decided to see what this thing could do in terms of all its safety features, all of the safety features. Well, you managed you managed to trigger that you know the feature that I, I joked with the guys at Ford that uh, about. Uh, but you actually managed to trigger the um, the sort of the, the crash alert, didn't you? Yeah, the forward alert thing. It it is, and it wasn't actually. I'd like to clarify. I was not an intentional in doing that at that very moment in time. So I, what, what I, is it? What I, is it I don't know if I believe you on that one. I think you. I mean, you wound up the settings right to the highest sort uh, of sensitivity and so on. As I well, wanted right? to trigger this thing. I wanted to see what was going to happen. So the idea is that it's. Uh, this is a, one of the safest cars I've ever driven. Let's just be straight about that. It's constantly searching things around you to see what's going on. And the forward alert thing basically tells you when traffic has stopped in front of you. And it will actually start engaging things like the brake to help you in slowing down for it. So we were on our way on the morning to pick up Paul from his house. And on Ponsonby Road, two cars almost collided in front of us. And the car sensed it and put the brakes on. That's incredible. Started braking for us. So um, I played with the cruise control, uh, adaptive cruise control. You can set the following distance. This is That's cool. A lot of people in Auckland, especially if you listen to the show, the driving is appalling in this part of the city. And yep. having following distances set on that thing would be amazing. It is really good. In fact, we I, I, I set it right through rush hour traffic. I gave it a good test through that. It works exceptionally well, especially when someone cuts you off. Um, we tried driving <laughs> into a parked car. You didn't, did you? Yeah, I chickened out though. I I couldn't. I just wanted to see what the forward alert would do, but um, I just couldn't do it. I mean, let's be honest. The car's probably looking at you, thinking, "Well, if you're going to drive into a parked car, you must just drive into a parked car." I so, mean, we are renowned for you know getting given uh, fragile technology oh, and, no, and, and uh, seeing the results come out. Uh, not not so good, but yeah, I'm glad in that case you didn't smash up the car because I, I wanted to have a bit more of a go with it actually at that stage. So the, the, that sort of technology was pretty cool. It didn't have as much as I think the uh, the Mondeo had in terms of features and stuff. Yeah, um, there were definitely some differences where the where the Mondeo had had some extras, but then the Mondeo didn't have the self park, so that that was one of the one of the really nice features, right? I I managed to self park this thing into a car park with. Only centimetres to spare. I don't know how it got in there, but it did. It picked it up. My brother filmed it. So how did you get out? (laughs) It wasn't easy. There needs to be a self-unpark button. (laughs) I had literally this one car park. I had to do like a five-point turn out of the car park. It was pretty tight. So it's very precision. And it parks to the same distance off the curb. So how's that issue? Do, do we do we find out from Ford? Like, is it is there sensors on the, around the outside of it? How's that issue working? Do we know? Um, you've got there are a number of sensors, and they vary by the car in terms of what they've got. I mean, uh, both of them have some pretty detailed parking sensors, which are becoming yeah you know, reasonably common. Uh, but then then you've got the the, the sensors for the Ford Alert. Uh, in the Mondeo, you had the sensors for if somebody's in your blind spot, uh, if you're cruising out of your own lane maybe you're getting a little bit sleepy late at night when you're driving you know where it shakes the steering wheel to let you know you're going out of your lane those sorts of things uh so the Mondeo had some extra sensors to be able to do a little bit more than the the focus yeah now let, the other thing is uh, i wanted to try this car for actually being a car too um and as a as a performance car it actually performs really well it's quick off the mark it's got a brutal first gear um absolutely brutal if you're not careful 
Um, pretty, yeah, pretty snappy, uh, pretty snappy machine, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of uh, drive mode, it can catch you out a little bit. <laughs> it did catch me out at one one intersection where I moved off and I, I kind of waited for it to respond. Um, in sport mode, it will tear you out of the time and space continuum. Um, it is a bit, it's a bit brutal in that sense, so you've got to be careful of it. Uh, traction control is on there, so that's good. It handles very well, very nice to ride, and um, even tried it with um, my three-year-old in there as well. Um, it just actually is not a bad car. It's it, not a I bad liked car. It. Hmm. It's so, a little, it's a little tight in spaces, but it's not a bad car. So I have a question. I'm in a question mood tonight, so we're going to be have fun tonight. So there's a lot of technology. I really like. I do really like the, what the Ford have done. But does it freak you out that if there was a bug in the software and people start to rely on things like the South Park, the following distance? That I mean, we all say things are tested now. Forget whatever the operating system is. Let's remove that discussion out of the equation. <laughs> software coding is software coding, right? imagine there's a bug something rather than following distance being too far it brings you close all the time and you can't stop I mean does that not freak people out a little bit not really because I think if we look at it it's a totally different set of software than what we would be thinking about in terms of computer this is an industrial control design system so it has one purpose and uh, what you do is if you design it properly from the ground up you design safety in first so it's going to do things to stop before you actually get yourself into trouble and that sort of thing. So the only thing is there could be faulty sensors and that sort of stuff, but in terms of um, the design of some of the software, it's designed to do one thing, and it's to keep you safe is the primary focus of it. Um, Yeah, so I mean, uh, I don't think it's going to be much of a concern. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. You know, I think the thing is that with any vehicle, there's lots and lots of them out there, so if there's an issue, we're going to hear about it and they'll do a recall. Sure, one or two people might... You know, something might happen, but the last the last time that they thought there was an issue was with the um, Toyotas with their braking in the US. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it turned out that that wasn't actually the case at all, and that was one of the you know the biggest sort of scenarios where they thought, oh, we've got a major security, uh, major uh, safety issue, and that that safety issue in that case was was not genuine. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, general generally these sort of things probably pretty safe um now in terms of the uh the negative uh things the main little issue i had with the focus and this was compared to the mondeo was and there may be a way to get around this but with uh when i tried it with windows phone when it with your windows phone you're driving when a text message comes in it will offer to read it out to you and then allow you to um uh, communicate a response verbally that it will then translate and and send back as a text message. So that's the Windows Phone with the Mondeo. Yeah, so yep. that worked fine with the Mondeo with the Focus during that stage, and it might be because this is the 2012 model, and maybe it's a you know it's a pre-release one or something. But on my phone, it was quiet uh, when that text message came in, rather than reading it out to me. So that just seemed a little bit odd. Uh, but so. I'm finding with the Windows Phone 7 that your handset volume does control the Bluetooth output quite significantly. Regardless, I mean, on my Parrot, it's the same. So you've got to crank the volume on that. The one thing that I didn't like is that I can't control my Windows Phone 7 from the Bluetooth kit. Like, if I, if I hold you down... Should be able to, you should be able to um, fast-forward it. You can bump the volume up and down of the heads of the uh, main unit, not of the actual phone itself. I couldn't trigger the voice functions on it. It oh, would okay. actually trigger the car's voice function rather than the handset voice function. And the, to be honest, the car voice function is great if you don't have a phone that has voice function. 
Um, but if you have a phone that has voice function, you want to use that. I mean, that's what you used to. Well, it depends on whether you want to control car features or features of the phone because it uh, allows you to do things like adjust there, there your climate minimal, control minimal and so on. car features anyway yeah. in terms of stuff. So, um, But I couldn't trigger the Windows phone. But I actually had it, you know, when the Windows wanted to grab, Windows phone wanted to grab attention, it actually uh, did a reasonably good job at doing that. So, mm. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's so hold good. on. So if you had the money, let's just say you had your 50K, 50K would you buy one, Mr. Spain? Either one, either car. Ooh, that's a that's a very good question. Because at the end of the day, our listeners, you know, if they're going looking at a car and that's got the technology side of it, what did you think? Is the technology enough to make you buy the car? I think if if I was looking in that sort of price bracket, then this, as opposed to a car without those features, at a at a similar price point or within Kui of the price point, I think the extra safety benefits, and there are a lot of safety things in there. I think the Mondeo had something like seven airbags as well as those other features that I think you know genu- genuinely would reduce your chance of serious injury in, in a you know bad scenario mm. I think it's you know well worth paying for that sort of thing I think um, I'd buy the Focus for my wife mm. I really do I think it's a neat nippy little car that's got the hands free which is what she desperately needs because she's going to get a ticket soon um, and I, I just I, I, I agree with you I think the safety features are, are massive yeah. Absolutely massive. And I now. guess, uh, you know, a little bit different now. I've, you know, started a family. So, again, you're sort of thinking a little bit more than Correct, just yeah. me and my own safety. It's the safety of your family. Yeah. And that, that definitely, you know, makes makes an impact. No, I totally agree with you. Mm. All right. Um, now, other bits and pieces of news. The lawsuits. There's been all these things going backwards and forwards between Samsung and Apple in recent months. <laughs> Now we've seen uh, a little bit of an easing up, I think, in uh, in Australia, sort of uh, in terms of the situation between Samsung and Apple. And Samsung are able to now start selling again some of their products that they were told that they couldn't. And also, Apple have lost a um, a court case, I think, against Motorola in Germany that has the potential, if it goes worse, to. Uh, lead to a scenario where iPhones could be um, pulled off the shelves. It's actually, yeah, it's at iPads and iPhones. Mm, um, mm. That's quite fascinating. That's, that's the first time it's sort of swung in that direction, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, look, well, Samsung um, are now allowed, able to sell their Galaxy 10.1 device in Australia, so Apple didn't have a good day there. But the Motorola one and the German one's got bigger one. It's a whole country sort of blocking one of their core products which is I don't know the full story behind why the Germans are so against the um, especially iPads and iPhones in their, in their country have you guys been able to dig in a little bit more around what it is I saw the headline but there wasn't a lot of meat to it did you manage to have a bit of a quick peruse there Mr. Spain um, yeah I mean what I understand is there's there's a patent that uh, apparently Apple have been infringing on that is owned by Motorola uh, Motorola, of course, is in the process of being acquired by uh, Google, uh, so that will soon be part of uh, yeah part of Google. Um, but yeah, they they hold a lot of patents in wireless communications, data communications, SMS, all those sorts of things. And there's a particular uh, patent that that apparently uh, Apple have been infringing on. And while other people might license it, Apple had said no to licensing that particular uh, patent. So there's there's a, actually 18 patents that are tied up together, but a lot of them are around the idea of the antenna design that the iPhone uses, um, uh, WCDMA uh, technology and GPRS technology that are 
um, G, uh, Motorola's intellectual property that a lot of phones use, but a lot of phones license it except for the mm. Apple. Interesting, interesting. Wow. All right, well, let's hope these things sort of sort themselves out and uh, everyone comes to some amicable agreements so we don't have products on and off the shelves. It's a bit of a nightmare. It's, it's not a, good for the consumer, eh? It's actually, there's actually quite a stack load of different features that are actually Motorola complaining about. So um, mm. clearly they, I don't know whether they've been holding off on some of this stuff. I don't know. It just seems a little bit odd. So it'll um, be interesting to see where they go with it. Yep. Now, one of the other um, in the mobile space, one of the other handsets we've been we've been having a look at, and there's always a bunch that are coming through. Uh, but one I quite liked was the Sony Xperia, uh, Sony Ericsson uh, Xperia Neo. Now, I think Sony Ericsson is in the process of just becoming Sony because Sony have bought out uh, Ericsson on that uh, joint joint venture. Uh, but the Xperia Neo is a nice little Android handset quite a, a sleek slim handset with a good size screen and it's got a 8 megapixel camera as well as full HD video and yeah just I, I found it was uh, pretty snappy to get around um, and yeah stunning uh, stunning uh, photos and video it's also got the um, HDMI output so you can you know take your your video and push it through onto your high def TV, those sorts of things. That's becoming a really big thing now for a lot of people. I've got quite a few friends that are using um, Android devices with the HDMI output when they travel. Mm. And the other big thing that's really sort of come into play at the like, recently, and especially with the iPhone 4S, which has is the cameras on on these devices. The iPhone 4S camera, from what I've seen, read, and, and seen on friends, is absolutely magnificent. And people are really starting to look to say, well, hold on, if I've got a 8 megapixel camera on my phone, I don't need to buy a small portable camera. So they're actually saving that money and, and buying a, a better quality smartphone with a better quality camera. It's interesting how our, our buying points are sort of moving to these all-in-one devices now. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's, it's you know, I think it's, it's a benefit. If you can have a great, oh, yeah. a great camera in your pocket all the time and it just happens to be uh, part, part of your phone... Uh, that's much easier than having to uh, having to sort of jump jump through all the you know inconveniences of carrying a full blown camera. So yeah, no, I I think it's definitely going that way. I mean, there certainly are some limitations with with the cameras that you you have in a phone today. They generally don't have any sort of zoom lens type capability, and there has been some technology inventions that we've heard about previously. Lenses full of water that can potentially change you know shape and give different you know results um, rather than having to have a big physical zoom lens uh, but we haven't really seen much of that technology come through other than increasing megapixels so um, yeah no I look forward to seeing what what other things come through in that space but certainly the 8 megapixel um, cameras that, that, that we're seeing in devices like the Neo and the iPhone 4S are really good and certainly in the more in the higher end devices, those cameras like what's in the 4S are really good in terms of their quality, uh, particularly considering they're in a they're in a smartphone. So yeah. All right. So other other bits and pieces on the news agenda. What's happened to HP's WebOS from the uh, the touchpad, the uh, operating system they spent over one billion dollars buying off Palm. About eighteen months ago, 
Brad, you uh, yeah. So you have some thoughts on that. Well, no, there's two interesting po- um, uh, points here. Now, I'm, this is Meg Whitman. She did an interview with TechCrunch, and they've um, pulled her off their blog, and the audio is going to be up later. So there's two interesting points here. First one, WebOS is going completely open source. So they're giving it to the open source community, and they're going to let everyone have a play with it, develop and mature it. Which I think is great because it's actually I still like it. I don't know about you guys, but the devices that I still had a, we had a go with, and I think you managed to secure. No, we gave one. We gave it away, didn't we? Mm. Um, but it was a nice device. Now the second interesting point, and I'm just going to quote here. This is her. HP will take another shot at making WebOS tablets in most likely 2013. Interesting. So they're going to get themselves. That, that back. was her comment. That's was her it? comment. Meg Whitman's comment. The chief of executive of the um, world's number one HP but they're going to get back in the tablet market and she's anticipating around 2013 with the WebOS device what? yeah I know I thought they were out of the game because well that, uh, that well, surely think, puts them out of the game well yeah. and, and I guess that's a, that's a way of saying saying to those people that love the product and are upset at HP for dropping it of oh look no don't you know don't panic we're we're going to we're going to come back and, and of course when that when that time uh flick, flicks over they can always come back in 2013 and yeah, say totally. hey hey look at the market there's no point in us releasing a, a webOS tablet now look at what all the other operating systems are doing and so on but um to make yeah, statements I, I, like that, I don't I don't know why such a statement would be made all right interesting what HP are doing there um oh now just a quick Back to that Xperia Neo. Oh yes, um, that's come. It's two two degrees that have been um, that have launched that locally. I don't know if anyone else is picking it up, uh, but that one's coming through at six nine nine. So for a pretty high end uh, handset, that that's that's a reasonable price point and certainly a step down from what we would have seen. You know, a year ago, you wouldn't have been able to get a handset of that sort of spec and that sort of pricing. So we're seeing a downward trend too, in in most of the mobile pricing really, other than. Uh, I guess iPhone is the is the one that isn't coming down a lot. Other than the fact as new models come through, we're seeing those take the lower price. The old models take the lower price point. So Apple's now selling the three GS, the four, and the four S. Now, just on that, um, Telecom have just put up their iPhone uh, monthly rental rates yesterday or today. Yeah, what they've done is for and and Vodafone did something similar when they first launched it. They made it. Uh, they offered a higher subsidy than they're offering across any of their other phones. So they said, oh, we'll, we will uh, make this phone available to you. Even though you're not signing up for one of the more expensive plans, we'll make it available to you at a reasonably sharp discount. Uh, they've started reducing the levels, those levels of discount more in line um, than with other phones. That's the way I've, uh, I've picked it so far yeah, anyway. I agree. It's interesting that the difference is, is quite dramatic, though. It's like it goes... I was reading this today. It goes from forty or sixty dollars a month rental to up to a hundred dollars. I think it is per month rental for one of the plans. I mean, it's a it's a big jump if you yeah, look for a phone. the plans themselves haven't changed. It's just how much subsidy yep, you get correct. on that plan. Yep. But to but to get a, a phone for yeah close to close to free or for a really low cost, you do definitely have to be signing up on a higher plan. Uh, I think the one change they did make if you were on one of their highest plans. When you used to have to pay about two hundred dollars for the handset, they're actually giving it to you free now on those those highest plans. They're really encouraging people to sign up for a hundred and forty dollar a month type plan. But you know, I don't think most people need those plans now. What certainly what I've been seeing out there is some of the new plans are, are really so good that people are spending half to two thirds of what they were spending six to twelve months ago to uh, provide 
uh, a mobile and a data connection, um, you know, per person. Yeah, you you came up with a great one the other oh about two or three episodes ago. we around Vodafone where they had the insurance on your iPhone devices, but you can't actually claim that insurance, mm. and that's a ten or fifteen dollars a month. Yeah, billing. ten dollars a month. Yeah. yeah, so that's definitely something to to watch out for if you've got an iPhone four or four S. Don't be paying uh, Vodafone a phone insure for that because they they don't actually. Um, you know, provide insurance on that particular model. Uh, and I think there's two probably reasonably fair reasons for doing that. One is those phones are just so much more expensive than any other phone in the market that realistically they should they would need to charge more on insurance. They'd need to bump it up to 15 or $20 a month to cover it. And the other was I think that they were getting hit with an issue where once the new model swung around, people would be... Um, accidentally dropping on the toilet. Yeah, accidentally, oh, I lost my phone or my phone broke or something. Actually, quickly, what we're talking about, um, the phone side of the, of the podcast, uh, the no, the new Nokia phones, I've got a couple of friends that have bought them from the UK, and they're on the way over here right now the ex, um, from, through Expansus, and they've got the Lumia 800, is that the right? Yeah, yeah that's that's the one, yeah. Yeah, so the, I think it's 899 plus a whole lot of taxes and shipping costs on top of it, but um, I will hopefully have my hands on one that I can bring into the studio with that person, because I doubt he'll let it out of his sight. But it will hopefully have one of the first ones in the country to ever play with. Excellent. Yeah, I've heard those are starting to become available for, through yep. a few of the uh, online vendors, and there are certainly some rumours uh, floating around about a about a release uh, early in the early in the new year. So we're very hopeful that uh, those things we've heard are are true. But uh, no, definitely. Um, you know, it's a reasonably expensive phone to buy. Talking about a thousand dollars, but an yes. absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastic phone. And we'll hopefully confirm those rumours in the next hope before the new year. Let's try and do that, but we'll see how we go with those mm. people. Mm. Now, Microsoft have a a product called Skype that they bought a while ago. Never heard of it. No, I probably haven't. Um, <laughs> but they've also got another product that's very similar, but targeted at a business audience called Link. Yes. And that's actually a tool that we we use to help. Uh, it's part of Microsoft Office uh, 365 as well. So we use that as one of our tools for putting together the podcast and communicating with each other wherever we happen to be. Uh, good news in the last uh, last last few days. There's been some stuff floating around on the web that that would uh, that would launch today, and we saw uh, we saw it launch yesterday. I think for uh, for Windows Phone, the yes. Link software. Uh, and it seems from from what we're reading that it's going to land on uh, Android and iPhone, uh, Symbian and BlackBerry as well, um, very very soon as well. So um, that's good 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 to see that one uh, float through because I think a few people have been waiting for that one. Now Windows eight, yes, some big news in the last week on uh, on Windows eight. Well, I found this hilarious because I, I remember getting on the. I think I, like I watched. I'll start again. I was watching the marketplace video, and what it is is Microsoft was announcing the new marketplace, and which is where Windows eight applications and, and I suppose Windows Phone and other things will be produced. <laughs> now, towards the end of that video, I was watching it on YouTube. The guy at the very end goes, "Oh, and this will become live when Windows eight beta comes out in February." And I paused, and I emailed you both and went, I think this guy has just outed the Windows 8 beta. Because suddenly, there was a flurry on the Twitter sphere that, has this guy just outed the Windows 8 beta? Oh my god. And then soon it was, oh, Windows 8 beta is coming out in February. Mm, mm. So it became fact. Yeah, yeah it became fact pretty fast after this guy's announced it. Yeah. So yeah, so Windows 8 beta will, um, client will be available for download at some point in February. 
Um, we don't know any more than that at this point in time. It's a little bit later because obviously, Paul, you're going to be at CES in, in early January. We'll be doing some shows and some recordings from there. But, I mean, I was hoping to see a base at CES. Now, that's not obviously... Yeah, I think there was a lot of discussion around that. There was that anticipation that, hey, Consumer Electronics Show is the place where yeah. all the new latest stuff gets shown off. I think there's no, there's nothing to say that uh, Windows 8 isn't going to get shown off there. There's no reason why we won't, we won't see it. And it may be a more updated uh, version that the Samsungs and HPs and you know various uh, hardware vendors are, sh- are showing off on new you know potentially new tablet devices and so on, uh, but yeah, it, I, I think there was that expectation that the beta would come out in January as well. But it's going to be uh, going to be a few weeks later in uh, in Feb. Okay, Paul, a game. Let's play a little game. Oh, cool. Brad probably can't be involved with this game. Okay, if I can't be, I'll, I'll opt out now because I don't want to get in trouble. Yep. Well, we, so we, we always say that when, when, we come in, when we come into the NZ Tech Podcast studio, we have to take off our, uh, our uh, work hats or the hats of our employers and, and talk personal opinion. But if yep. this is one that might get Brad into Well, uh, let's put it this way. I, I, I'd trouble, like then. us to have a guess at what, what's going to be the big thing from Microsoft CES. So I am out of this gonna, one. Uh, <laughs> Brad's going to have to be out of this one I'm because out of he it. may know or may not know he hasn't told us. No, I like my job. But I, I'm thinking that CES, we are going to see two things. Uh, I think we're going to see more about Telme, the Telme product, which is like the Siri uh, version for for um, Microsoft. I reckon we're going to see a little bit more about what they're going to take that to. And I reckon the other big thing is going to be Skype. That we'll actually see Skype in its entirety. And in its entirety in terms of the product line across where it's going to go and possibly even actual downloads. That's my pick for, for CES's um, keynotes from Microsoft. They're going to come with something big. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think we always have these huge expectations because uh, you know, usually Microsoft get that chance to give the keynote presentation at, uh, at CES and everyone's got all of these expectations on, I want this and I want that, and, and and there's always that disappointment afterwards. Oh, they didn't announce that, and oh, Skip told me on the NZ Tech podcast that they were going to be yeah, announcing XYZ, and oh, Paul thought they were going to talk about that, and oh, my, you know, this other this website that I read mentioned that, and so we go in with all of these expectations, and, and actually but Microsoft... That's, that's the nature of the game these days, because yep. share prices are dictated by perceptions of people going into technology companies we don't invest in technology companies for big returns we actually invest in new ideas now so apple's share price rises and falls based on well actually there wasn't anything majorly new in the iphone 4s so down we go again yeah interesting um yeah i'm i'm not really too sure i think yeah there's but there's usually something around uh, Xbox that gets talked about at CES, so there, there's really a potential to um, to hear something about the Xbox. Uh, Windows 8, of course we're going to be hearing about Windows 8. Uh, to what extent and what new things get, get shared, that I don't know in terms of what devices we'll see. I'm sure that Steve Barmer is going to be showing off one or two things and there will be some cool stuff there. Um, there might be some more in the car technology front, and um, I'll be looking forward to seeing seeing what bits and pieces uh, come through in that space. Um, Apple usually don't make announcements around around CES. Um, there are some things around Windows Phone, um, but bear in mind that usually most of the Windows Phone news comes out at the um, at the European. 
um, GS, uh, what's the event called? The Barcelona one. The um, Barcelona GS- event that used yeah. to be called uh, 3GSM. Um, GSM World, something. Oh, I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the, the mobile event. So that usually more happens in the, that late February time frame. Now, interesting that the beta's late February time frame as well. Does that mean that there's going to be something mobile related uh, because of that time frame? Probably not. I'm probably reading way too much into into that. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely a few things in that space. I think from the hardware vendors that we'll be seeing new form factors, we'll be seeing uh, more of the um, uh, Ultrabooks, we'll be seeing probably some, some previews on some of the Windows 8 type tablets, and... Yeah, uh, other than that, I think uh, wait and see. So I'll jump in now because I, I it's not my where I'm going to get fired area. Um, I, I think you're right. I think with Intel releasing their new CPUs soon, I reckon with ARM getting into the game with a lot of the, you know, other space and into the server space as well, I think you're going to see a lot of new really sexy devices. Um, one other thing, just quickly on Windows 8 Beta. Now, I heard this from Mr. Paul Throt from WinSuperSite. So this is my source for this one, off his, um, one of his articles he did. If you want to get your hands on builds of Windows 8 beyond the beta, but before the release candidate, sign up as a uh, Windows 8 Marketplace developer. <laughs> and apparently Paul was um, working through that program that you might get some later iterations of the beta post the public launch so that's I guess we saw that with Windows Phone we did. uh, didn't we those yeah. Mango builds if you were signed up as a developer you got access to all these pre-release builds that didn't go to the public Yeah, uh, and that was really good and not expensive to be on that program and, and you know encouraged a few people to have a little bit of a dabble with, uh, with development and in fact what we're seeing is that the same tool set that are used to develop Windows Phone apps will make it very easy then to take that and to make that a uh, metro style app on Windows 8 so yeah it's 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 certainly if you're in that developer space it's worth thinking about and Xbox and your Xbox console as well mm. so it's all coming together now talking of Xboxes very very good uh, segue there did you like um, that oh, I thought that yeah. was quite good so the update came out last week the big yes. update and now my Xbox looks like it's a window, Windows 8 uh, machine it's really cool it's nice isn't it I mean I've been lucky enough to be playing with it for a little while, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but no, the, all the new services light up like a, like a Christmas tree. And one of the new things that I'm really, really enjoying is the Xbox Companion app. Um, for the, Now, this is not just a Windows Phone app. This is also an iPad, an iPhone, and I'm not sure on the Android side. I've got to confirm that. But um, what this allows you to do is um, hook it plugs straight into your Xbox and allows you to control your Xbox from your phone. Okay, I've got the Xbox Live app on my um, on my iPhone, uh, but that's not the no. same as the app that you're talking about. I haven't seen I haven't seen that app be available for iPhone. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely out there. So um, what it what it'll do is it, I'm just starting it up now for the listeners there. And what it'll do is it can hook in. I can do my Bing search. I can do um, movies. I can actually actually has a remote control that you can come up and, and, and use and everything from that side. Um, and it, it's a really cool way of, if you're sitting down on the couch, you can actually muck around with your with your um, Xbox. But the other thing is, if you really want to play good April Fool's tricks on your partner, um, you can sit there and start starting up and shutting down the Xbox. So it's quite a neat little... Uh, yeah, I, I'm really quite impressed with it. And it uses, obviously, the, the sliding tiles and everything for, from the Windows Phone side. Um, and, oh, 
I think Mr. Paul Spain on his iPhone is just doing it now. There you go. No, this is a slightly different app. This is the Xbox Live app, so it doesn't oh, it doesn't give me the full uh, the same set of controls, but it does have. Uh, in fact, this looks quite like a Windows Phone app running on the iPhone in terms of uh, some of the user experience and the. Um, yeah, the the sliding, um, yeah, the tiles, side to side, and so on. Have so, you guys uh, seen the emulator that runs on Android and iPhone devices that turn that has a full Metro UI for Windows Phone? So you can experience if you're an iPhone user and you want to see what it looks like. It's a I, I'll find the website. Yeah, for that, the show. it's pretty cunning of Microsoft, isn't it? You, it's you really run, good. You run that up in the browser, and it looks as though you're you're. Uh, your phone has just started running a, but the tiles um, work. another operating system and it, so on. It's yeah. a full interaction of a little T- emulator. Touch operating system. It's really, really, yeah. really clever. So I'll find the web URL for next week's show. But yeah, so the, the Xbox Companion app is really, really nice. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really like the new dashboard. I'm a big fanboy of it. What I found was that a lot of the richer features require the US subscription, which I have. So I've got access to you know a range of other streaming um, capabilities and so on that weren't there before, uh, but some of those are are available in New Zealand. Um, ESPN that was one that I had a look at. Um, do you guys recall whether that one was available in the um, for the New Zealand no. uh, one? That so that was US only. So there was ESPN. I get confused uh, now. Which country? I can in. tell you. I can tell you which ones are working for New Zealand as of this morning because I was having a play at four thirty. Um, there is uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, the Connect Chat, and YouTube appeared this morning. Oh, okay, cool. So it's it's what what was really well. Weird YouTube is wasn't there in the US side either, so that must be a global yeah, uh, opening I'd up of the so. YouTube app. It didn't appear in the marketplace. The marketplace isn't available for New Zealand space yet. Um, the um, YouTube appeared in a promo space on the front page. So you could load the app from there, but uh, I had to play oh, with that's that. Interesting streamy HD YouTube clips, actually really good. Yeah, it's good. I still find it a bit frustrating. Um, Apple do this as well with the way they do the alphabet up the cro- up the top there. Oh, that drives yeah, me that's a little bit nuts. So the yeah. the searching on, on for for different channels and it, and it really emphasises channels, which is great. So you can go into a channel and then get into sub playlists in a ch- channel yep. which is quite cool um, one thing I really liked is uh, my Xbox that I have uh, my Kiwi Xbox is set up for the family so it's rating is quite low for my little boy Yep, um, and it carried the rating through to the YouTube clips oh that's cool so that was very cool it kept coming up telling me that it wasn't going to show certain YouTube clips um, even just off the mainstream because it was just a two the rating was too high I mean my rating for is, is G basically. So, uh, and you also moved all your profile stuff into the cloud, didn't you, with the new cloud service? Yep. So, what I did is I've got uh, two two Xboxes, one for one for home and one for gaming now, and um, I had everything on one Xbox. So, I've moved my games across to the second Xbox, and the uh, second Xbox, I um, moved all the save games from the sorry from the first one into the cloud storage on the second one. The really good thing about doing that is that it enabled me to. I can log on to my Kiwi Xbox with Urban Kiwi, my login, and my US Xbox with Urban Kiwi, my login as well. The same logon. In the past, you had to move profiles to boxes. Which was a pain. Which was a pain. Now what it does, it just comes up and says, oh, by the way, you were logged on to a different box. Now you're on this box. And then having everything in the cloud means that my game, uh, save games are there. And it works really well. 
really really well it's about 512 meg of storage you get for free yeah I think that's a great capability because that was an issue I was running into with having multiple Xboxes in in the home is each one had to have you had to have a, a different identity for each Xbox and that was just plain dumb. No, it drove me mental. But just so quick before you jump into yours, and you've got to remember also with Xboxes being so cheap at the moment, especially in the US, uh, a lot of people have more than one Xbox because Mary Jo Foley was trying to find out and people were saying, I've already got one, I've now got three. So we are moving to those scenarios where the Xbox is becoming the centre of the TV. Yeah, I think between between the three of us in this room, we've probably got about 10 Xboxes. So, um, Well, five of them are six, eight, maybe nine. Maybe 10 of them are over there in the corner with Brad. He has an Xbox every door in his house. <laughs> no, I don't, honey, when you're listening to this podcast. Those are not the Xboxes you see in the corner. That's right, yeah. Every screen has an Xbox on it. And some of his house is just going to be going, much like the fan we can hear in the background, unfortunately. So, yeah. Now, browsers. There's been a little bit of a research project that's gone on recently, uh, Brad, around uh, comparing the browsers from a security perspective. What, what were the what were the findings in in brief? So, um, in quick, uh, there's an independent research company came out. Um, they were really focused on try, f- trying to find out the most safest platforms to be using for your web browser. Chrome came out number one. Which is Google, yeah, Google Chrome. Um, apparently, re- their words really close behind that was IE nine, and then behind that was Firefox. Okay, so That's it's good to see. I mean, the, the, it's all they said. It's pretty much up there. It's about having these um, these sandpit environments where the browser runs and is isolating itself from the operating system. Um, but you know, Chrome was number one, which is which is good. Yeah. They, they, Google's had a few issues with security, so it's it's nice to see. I think everyone's had issues with security in one form oh, or another yeah. over the years. So, um, yeah, no, it, I mean, it's good, these sorts of studies, because, it you know, if someone gets a badge for being the most secure, it just encourages everyone to, to deliver the best outcomes. And if you come second or third, then, you know, those vendors are going to have a look and say, well, what can we do to be, to yep. be number one next time? So, no, oh, that's great. I encourage that sort of thing. Now, in the mobile space... We heard recently uh, Skinny Mobile are launching. Now, this is a new sort of sub-brand of telecom that's going to use their XT network to deliver uh, phones and, and mobile services uh, targeted, I, I think, at a, um, at, a, at, a, at a lower price point than the traditional uh, offerings from telecom. Um, now, there's been some interesting news that's come through, and there's been a lot of discussion going on around this. With this new mobile brand, uh, our understanding is is that uh, those handsets are going to be locked. So when you buy a handset that that is that carries that skinny mobile branding, or you know maybe there's a uh, you know there's an option to get a cheaper handset when you sign up for a plan i'm not sure whether they're um what their story is around plans and 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 prepay it's a little while so a few weeks since i had a look at um some of that information but uh as a as a value offering one of the things apparently they're doing is reducing the prices of their handsets but they're going to lock those handsets you won't be able to take that handset and move it onto vodafone or two degrees network you'll be able to use it with a, a standard telecom sim or a skinny mobile sim but you won't be able to take that and then use that on uh, on another network or take it overseas with you and use it on another network. What, what do you guys think about that? I'm mixed on it personally. I, I like the ability. It all depends on what the handset is. 
if it's a cheap one ninety nine outright handset where it'll give you a thirty dollar discount, and that means I'm locked into that carrier, have no problems at all because I think you're getting good value for money. If it's a four ninety nine or five ninety nine handset, then I want the ability to move it, even if I have to pay thirty dollars to get unlocked. I'm a techie person. Now, most people that are spending four ninety nine or five ninety nine don't really know how to go through that process. It is a little bit clunky sometimes. So then I, I, I totally disagree with it from that side. So I think the price point has to determine for me on whether I would go to that network. Now, like if it gives me a discount and a cheap handset, I'm fine, but more expensive, no. You got, I think it should be unlocked personally. Well, it's something that uh, Vodafone looked at doing uh, two or three years ago, and there was such an outcry saying, hey, this, this is really bad uh, for competition within the mobile space in New Zealand, that they soon turned around and they stopped doing it. They, they only did it for a very short space of time, but they were, would actually, uh, they did actually release handsets into the market that were locked for a period. Uh, now, I think there's going to be a bit of an outcry against this as well, to a degree, um, but, you know, it's not over a whole network. I mean, it's a, this is going to be a smaller, new niche network, uh, but it certainly, you know, isn't ideal for them in this early stage where people are just he- hearing about skinny mobile and then there's that discussion ar- around locked handsets. But I think on the positive side, it's only going to be $30 to unlock the handset. Uh, I know that two degrees have already got out there and said, this is bad, this is not good for competition. And I agree, it isn't good It isn't good for competition, uh, but if it brings down the price of a handset, yeah, it's, 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 maybe, it's maybe not that bad, especially if you can spend $30 to get the handset unlocked. So. Yeah, we need, we need to find out some more information on what, like, with, you know, about the locking and unlocking stuff. But I, I agree, I, I see where two degrees are coming from too. I think the skinny mobile is directly targeted at their, um, their market to try and take share away from them which is yeah they're going to feel a bit threatened if people yeah because people move around networks now this is the great thing we can move from Vodafone to Telecom in, in, a, in a couple of days yep no two that, degrees yep that, that, that's that's absolutely true now other tech I said last week we were going to be reporting back on um, on 3D projectors so I've been looking over the last few days at a couple of uh, projectors. Um, the one I want to chat about this week, I've looked at um, what Panasonic are offering and also what uh, Epson, Epson are offering, and I'll chat about the Epson next week. Uh, but I've been looking at uh, Panasonic's AE7000, which is a three, 3D projector. Uh, we've spoken about this in the past uh, few months ago when it was first launched. Uh, but I've had that at home and just been, you know, watching really a whole range of content through this projector. And look, I have to say that 3D content at the moment is niche, but watching a 3D movie through this, if you can get that set up at home and it's a good dark environment, it is really, really cool. It really is if you've got if you've got the right setup, and you do need to make an effort. I tried using it during the day where the room wasn't completely blacked out and didn't have sort of blackout curtains in there. And that wasn't a great experience because the thing that you have to remember about 3D uh, is that um, with, with the way these projectors work in general is that they block out uh, the image for one eye and show you it on the other eye and then it flicks backwards and forwards between the two and that's how you know you, you get that... Uh, feeling of of 3D because you're seeing something different in each eye 
and the unfortunate uh, side effect of that is it cuts the brightness down of the projector effectively in half it's probably slightly more than in half realistically so watching a 3d uh, movie during the day you need to have a good home cinema room that you can really black out so uh, the thing that I would need to do if I was if I was going to uh, have one of these projectors in my cinema room is to definitely get some blackout curtains rather than what we've got in there at the moment. So, and was it good three D effect though? Oh yeah, I mean it, it looks stunning, and you know I went through a range a range of uh, content. Now, one of the things that got me because the three D content at the moment I haven't come across anyone that has a uh, you know streaming three D movie content like Netflix and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Uh, that's that's all 2D. So to get 3D content, it was about buying Blu-ray discs or renting Blu-ray discs. And it's like, I've got to say, it's a long time since I've rented physical media like a DVD or a Blu-ray disc because usually I'm watching streaming content that, <laughs> yeah. that's coming down online. So that was a little bit foreign to me. So I went out to uh, video the video uh, store. Um, I can't remember. Maybe United the, the United Video or something in Ponsonby, which I used to go and 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 uh, rent or buy movies from, sort of a decade ago. And I went in there. I said, "Have I still got an account?" And they're like, "Yes, um, you've got an eight dollar late fee. Do you want to pay that?" So I said, "All right, I better pay that since it's been on there for probably a decade." So I paid that, rented a couple of movies, and uh, I brought them home to watch. And the first one was great. All all worked well, uh, other than I started a little bit earlier on in the day. It wasn't dark enough, so I watched it, that again later. But the second one had something that I'd completely forgotten about, and it reminds me of, um, um, well, it just reminds me of what it's like to, to rent or to use physical media that someone else has used, is there must have been some scratch or some wear oh, or no. some sort of damage on the disc. And so... You're an hour into this movie, and you're in, you know you're enjoying it, and uh, suddenly the frustration levels in the room rise because uh, the movie's sort of just frozen up. And the players these days are pretty good at getting past that, and it just sort of kept going. And eventually, you know, but there were bits of content that we missed, and this happened two or three times on on the uh, on the disc. So that's the that's one of the downsides of this older technology where you have physical media that can be damaged so how much is this projector if i want to get uh, one for christmas so this one i think it comes in with a retail price of about five six oh, we'll begin that um price. so this it definitely is a is at the higher end of the market this projector um but it, it, this is a really good good quality projector so if you're going to the effort to deck out a room and you want a really good cinema setup uh, this is a great projector. It's got a you know a whole lot of uh, features in terms of how it handles the color. You can adjust the uh, the 3D level. So depending on what suits your eyes, because some people will find that uh, if the 3D sort of set too much, then they'll you know they'll they they'll get a bit tired and so on watching it. Um, so yeah, it gives you a lot of flexibility there. And you know has features around um, changing, putting the color in a real cinema uh, style, so it's very accurate to what a, a cinematographer would would actually want, uh, as well as just you know general modes. So it's 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 really flexible. Um, so that's yeah that that's it on the uh, on the Panasonic. So yeah, definitely recommended if you're uh, if you're decking out a, a space. 
the the one from Epson is a slightly lower priced uh, product, and so we'll cover that off next week and talk about some of the uh, some of the differences. All right, well that's uh, that's us for this week on the NZ Tech Podcast. Um, we will catch you all again next week for our uh, our sort of wrap up episode uh, of the of the year. Uh, so please visit us online nztechpodcast.com, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast, and of course we're on Twitter at nztechpodcast. Um, and hey guys, we can find you guys on Twitter as well, right? Yeah, at Brad Boar. Thanks, Bradley. And Skip, how do we find you? At Urban Kiwi NZ. Excellent. And my Twitter handle is just at Paul Spain. Thanks for listening, guys. See you, everyone. See you next week. Cheers. 